Hey, I'm Amber. Welcome to Politics But Make It Fashion. Come interview with me. This week on Politics But Make It Fashion, come interview with me. I have the pleasure of interviewing Connor Kelly O'Brien. Connor is an actor, theater maker, educator, and arts advocate. Connor has performed off-Broadway as well as a few small TV roles. He has performed or even has seen his original works performed on stages across the country and in Great Britain. He is the co-founder and executive director of the Scranton Friends Festival, as well as a proud member of the New Vintage Ensemble, the Dramaticist Guild of America, and a state roster teaching artist as part of the NEIU-19. He serves as the performing arts manager of the New York DVAA, Delaware Valley Arts Alliance, and firmly believes in the power the arts have to transform and inspire not only the individual, but entire communities. He is currently splitting his life between PA and New York, and wherever in the world his work takes him offstage, you can find Connor reading, skiing, finding free shrimp at any given social event. Welcome back to Politics But Make It Fashion. Come interview with me. And this week I have Connor Kelly O'Brien on the show. So Connor, welcome. Hi, how are you? I am good. I miss you. I haven't talked to you forever. I know I miss you too. It's been a very, very busy summer. Yes, yes. I'm so happy to have you on here. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. And I've known you for probably since I've got out the Navy and been back up here. So it's been definitely like four or five years now. Yes, it's been several years. Yeah. So you remember Jacqueline running around tiny. <laughs> yes, I do, Miss Jacqueline. I was, uh, I was a uh, temporary teacher, arts teacher for her preschool. Yes. And you and I already known each other at that point, but I got to spend many, uh, many, many a week with her uh that one particular summer and then unfortunately the second summer i couldn't come back uh yeah my, my father had passed away um but then i was able to fill in and teach now and then you know arts performing arts stuff but no she's a who how's she doing she's doing great she is in first grade and oh. um she's getting she's really into games now okay and so she started playing like roblox and minecraft Ooh. So she's building, she just built her own obby um, in her game. Okay. And so it's, it's crazy to watch her like learning how to start putting pieces of code together, um, learning how to do different things, different for her. things. And yeah, and she's like, people are coming in my game. And, you know, so, so it, it's really cool to see because me and my brother were like that when we were younger. Hmm. So with far less advanced technology oh my god yeah no we were on like the big desktop in the yeah. living room you know trying, trying to figure it all out oh Most desktop in the living room because nope. we put the virus on there so we oh. had to figure out how to get it off. Oh. oh i remember there's you couldn't ours is in like our family tv room there was the thought of having a computer uh at that age where my parents could not look over my shoulder at any given time right and, was was the thought of that that's not still a thing is mind-boggling but oh my gosh yeah in, in, your, yeah. in your 30s that's what happens <laughs> <laughs> so one of the first questions i've always honestly wanted to ask you is Fire. 
how do you go from being a theater kid and baking it into like a career to where because you know we hear it where oh you're going to be an arts major or anything theater or something like that's yeah. not a real thing but I'm, like mm-hmm. how do you because i look at you and I, and i see your inner little theater kid sometimes you know what i mean and i'm <laughs> like i wonder how like how he did it how he <laughs> was able to kind of like make this a thing I make this a thing thank yeah. you that's a valid question um I'm very lucky um, and that I've been able to pretty much um, with these, with, you know, with limited exceptions here and there, I've been able to, um, I was just thinking about this the other day for the last several years, be able to primarily, and at this point now exclusively work in the field that I want to, the arts, the performing arts theater. It wasn't, all, I'm not always on stage. I'm, I'm actually rarely on stage anymore, um, but that's okay. But I don't know. I'm going to say this much, and this is a disclaimer. I believe in education. Go get your degrees. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't work for everybody. I'm of the breed where I didn't go to a traditional four-year college. I went right into acting classes and acting school, um, and I kind of learned as I went. But my journey is very unique. I was very lucky in a lot of ways. I don't rec- inherently recommend that for everyone. <laughs> but I just, but I, I just knew. I, I miss. I, I, I got into my dream school. But then I quickly realized that there was no way I was going to be able to afford it. And I graduated high school in 2010. So it was, you know, the the bubble of 20, of 08 had burst. And yeah. we, I was hearing from older friends and friends, older siblings and people older than me that, like, I'm going to be in debt for the rest of my life. And they and they st- and those people still are in. Still, in, I was going to say, yeah, they're still right. Massive like- amount of student <laughs> debt. So I'm very lucky I have no debt. Um, I miss the classroom environment. You know, one of my goals in the next few years is I would like to go and get a degree in something that I'm passionate about. Probably wouldn't be theater, but would be, you know, uh, arts administration maybe, or even just a communications. I shouldn't say just, but (laughs) just, you know, something to that effect. I mean, I wanted to study 19th century English literature at Columbia. Which I mean, I might, and again, I it would have been a fabulous education. I would have, it would have opened. I mean, doors. it sounds great, but right. like, <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, I might as well just set a hundred thousand dollars on fire right now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I, and I just, it just wasn't possible. And I knew it wasn't possible. And I knew that's not the life I wanted to lead. So I hunkered down in PA for a little longer, and then I moved to New York and um, bounced around for a while, and then kind of had a good thing going. And I was running the Fringe Festival back here in Scranton, which we'll talk about later. Um, and doing odd jobs and touring and with my own work and writing my own work and doing some film and television and theater jobs, you know, acting and backstage in New York on the side. Um, and I, I want to be clear when I state this, I would have made more money had I been waiting tables. Um, and I probably would have been more lucrative. Uh, but I made it a goal when I came to New York, which was if I'm, if I'm living in New York, paying New York rent, living in this, it's the most claustrophobic yet lonely place you can imagine yeah i'm i'm gonna i i have to be doing what i want to be doing whether it's on broadway or i'm working extra on a tv show or i'm I'm doing so i did social media for theater companies as a job you know what i mean like i have to be in the world yeah i didn't come up here to live in a closet to like work as a waitress no and again yeah i was i one of my first jobs I, i was a waiter for a kosher catering company when i was 12 years old in Pennsylvania. I mean, I'm, there's nothing wrong with it. And I would have made way more money than I did if I had gotten like a bartending gig or a server gig or hosting, but I just didn't want to be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I know a couple people who have actually just moved up to New York to pursue um, like modeling mm-hmm. full time and different things. And I, I love that. I'm, I mean, I think sometimes at some point you maybe really have to go for it. Right. Yeah. No, I believe if you want to, if uh, the number one advice I tell anyone else is if there's nothing else you want to do or love as much as this, then go do it. That's great. Yeah. Don't be, you know, the, my biggest thing, especially with theater and acting in the arts is that there is so many ways to make it a professional, legitimate career that doesn't inherit, even if you don't make it to Broadway. And that's okay. Right. And I don't mean that to sound defeatist or you shouldn't try, but I mean, there's regional theaters. I mean, there's people who make a living off acting year round in Seattle, you know, in Chicago, in Pennsylvania. Now, with that being said, are you going to have to probably supplement some of it with other work? Yes. I mean, as we're seeing and learning more and more from the Screen Actors Guild strike, uh, I mean, how mu- what percentage of actors really make their living off just acting alone is right. is very slim. And within that, um, you know, the number that are really making more than fifty or sixty, seventy thousand a year is is very slim. Is even slimmer. Um, so you know, I mean, be practical. But you know, teaching artist residencies, you know, producing work, working in the arts administrative field, like I do, you know, has been very helpful to my career. Has right. flexibility has opened doors for my own creative pursuits and i'm you know overall i'm really happy and I mean mind you my career kind of took a nosedive during uh 2020 when, yeah when, when the shutdowns happened and i moved back to pa but you know i'm i'm in a financially much more secure place than i ever was i you know again overall love my life um and I get to do what it is I love doing. Do I love every minute of it? No, but I, I don't think there's any single job where anyone says, right, yeah. I love every minute of it and actually means it. There's always the paperwork. There's always the meetings you don't want to be in. Um, but I get to do what I love. I get to have conversations with interesting people like you. Um, no two weeks of my life ever feel the same. The thought of, I had an opportunity a couple months ago, I could have taken, um, or at least I could have pursued with a very good chance an arts admin job elsewhere that would have been a lot more nine to five sitting at a mm-hmm. desk doing never, I would never have set foot on a stage or helped run an event or make or programming or anything like that um, would have made more money. And the thought of sitting in a nine to five cubicle just drained my soul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So again, I, I chose. And again, maybe I'll come to regret that, but right now I'm not. Right. Yeah. So how do you keep positive when you're in kind of an environment to where people are telling you no? Um, how mm. are you able to keep that drive within yourself going and kind of know that like they're not telling you no, that, mm. you know, That's like good... how do you differentiate yeah. between that? I think the first step um just to kind of boil it down, basically the question is how do you handle rejection? Yeah. How do you handle negativity? And my thing to your point is sort of, I think step one is knowing they're not half the time. They're not really talking to you. It really has nothing to do with you. It's it's, they're talking to themselves. They're regurgitating pablum that society has told us for a hundred plus years. Um, What I think is also important to know is, is this person, does this person mean me any ill will? Is this coming from a place of genuine love and concern or is this coming from a hater, right? Because constructive criticism, fear and and valid concerns, I think we've kind of gotten to a point where we just group all of those under haters. 
And that's yeah, not, that's yeah. Not, that's not, oh, that's such a, a good point. Yeah. <laughs> that's a hater. It's like, no, no, if you're on fire and someone tells you, hey, FYI, you're on fire. <laughs> right. That's, that's not a hater. They don't, they don't want you to be on fire and burn. Um, it doesn't mean you have to change what you do with that information, but it, 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 you know, take a breath, take it with a grain of salt. And it's okay to sit, just say, thanks so much. You know, I'm not really looking for that feedback, but I'll, you know, but if, you know, I, 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 I think you mean well. It's all good. And if they are genuinely a hater, then why do you care? And again, yeah, that's, yeah. Easy for, that's easy for me to say in this calm moment when we're having a conversation on a podcast. Um, but it's, you know, in the moment when you're frustrated. It also usually happens when you're, abs when you're at your lowest, when you're frustrated. Tired and, and broken yes. down. Yes. And nine times, out of, I mean, nine times out of ten, the answer is have a glass of water and go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 100%. That's what I would say. Yeah. And also for rejection, I mean, I, you know. You know, I mean, the oof, the stories I could tell of, you know, casting directors and agents and I mean, you know, and I mean, and it's 10 times worse for women. And I fully yeah. want to acknowledge that in the in that industry. And I was not a model and I wasn't I wasn't going after like, you know, uh, Hugh Jackman leading male roles. But I mean, but it, but still, it would be very it can be very cutthroat, especially about appearance. I mean, and, the, and the, here's the thing I will say in general, the best moment i ever had when it came to like physical insecurity or appearance or just or even just how talented you were or how people like you was i had audition three auditions in a row one day each was a callback didn't get any of them and the the feedback i was given for each and every single one was absolutely contradictory to the other so one person was like oh you're too we want someone a little more quirky looking you're too and this is a couple years ago so no one go look at my picture right now um they were like oh you're too convent they thought i was a little too conventionally attractive which was like never been said before and then the next person was like oh no we're looking for someone a little more classically attractive and then the third person and then it was like but and you know and we wanted someone with more soft features and then the next one was like oh your features are too soft yeah we're looking yeah. for and i was like oh my god and it was and it was it it it, it, it was devastating and then it hit me i'm like if they're all contradictory and I don't necessarily agree with 100% of what anyone said, then what does it matter? Why yeah, do I Why do yeah. I care? Because I would have been perfect. You would think I would have been perfect for job one if I wasn't perfect for job two. Right. And, again, and they were and they were all callbacks. So just to clarify, that means these they, this was the second time they wanted they invite. This was an invitation. Yeah, you you called me. Okay. Yeah, they wanted me to come back. Yeah. Um. And then I walked in and you, you know, you walk into a room and it's super weird when it's like half the room looks very similar to you and half the room looks very different. And it's like, Oh God, what are they looking for? What are they? Yeah. Yeah. What do they want? And then you quickly realize, you know, they're trying to do their job. Most of them were very nice about it. Some of them were jerks and said horrific things throughout that process. But, and then I'm not condoning that. I'm not, I'm not trying to say, you know, grow a thick skin, deal with it. Um, I do think there's been in the, it's so weird to say this, even since then there's been an awakening and a change. Yeah, they're um, definitely yeah. yeah. Um, but at, at the same time, it just you know, I'm I wasn't what that person needed in that moment. It has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Did you have, ever feel pressure to kind of like look a certain way, oh. fashion wise? Oh my god, yeah. Aesthetic. Oh my god, know? yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a constant conversation of do I lose? You know, and I was I was very thin at that. I mean, I wasn't like I was never like emaciated or like string being thin but i was thinner than i am now i was so, i mean i was thinner you know i was younger um right i mean you know oh are my teeth wide enough should i be considered you know i mean i was 24 the first time someone said maybe consider botox 
Yeah. And it was like, I'm 24 years old. Where would I put it? Right, <laughs> on my, yeah. On my yeah. Face. Um, I was lucky in a way that I was always, um, I kind of knew the characters I was right for. And I, I had a good shot at all of them. For them, okay, for them yeah, for them, you for them. had some self-awareness. I, I definitely think, think that having self-awareness yes. keeps you from being hurt. <laughs> yes. In a lot of ways, you know what I mean? Because you yeah. know, like, this is this is kind of where I live. This is what I'm going to do, right? Yeah, here. and I think it also, just to clarify for everyone, it, it, it it's not just about appearance, right? No, right, about, right, yeah. You know, this, they wanted, um, you know, this, there was, you know, if I read a character call sheet, and sometimes they were very vague and confusing, and like, it would be like, oh, and you know, it'd be like, okay, I fit that, I fit that, I fit that. And then I'd get to something and it was like, you know, oh, very comfortable, like, you know, with stage fighting. And I'm comfortable in the sense of I'll take direction and I've done stage fights and I've done choreography and stuff like that. But then I read on a little more. I'm like, oh, you literally need someone who's going to like be like being flipped over tables and <laughs> doing choreography with sword fighting. And how long's the rehearsal period? Right. Uh, it's two uh... weeks. How much does it pay? No, probably not. And I'm, I'm always a believer in go after it. Try just if you fit most of the qualifications, see what happens. But I just knew I'm like, oh, I'm not who they're looking for. And then, yeah. if, and then I would keep I would keep an eye on that production. I, wrote, I would write it in my little notebook. I'd see who they eventually casted. And I was like and then I and that person was like literally a circus artist. And I was like, well, no, of course not. Well, No, of course not. not. Like, like, it's going to be yeah. me. No. Yeah. Um, you know, but yes, I had a very good. Um, I, I, I always not early on um, and something I wish I had done a little sooner. And it wasn't until um, I had gotten my first independent film uh, gig paid um, that I had an agent, not even mine, but just an, an agent tell me you should be really focusing on film and television more than theater. And I, I always considered that when I was younger, like an insult because there's a very flawed mentality that theater is talent. Mm -hmm. And you are talented and, an, and a true artist. And film and television is just you look okay on camera and you know how to you know how to hit your mark and memorize lines. And, yeah. it, and it wasn't. It was. Um, it, it, I knew what they they were they were saying. It wasn't like you shouldn't do theater. It was just like oh, like you're very comfortable on camera. Yeah, that's that's a skill that some people. Take. And I think that there's still kind of that that distinction. And I mean, even yeah. now, like you're just now seeing like big stars go do tv because i think it still was that whole kind of twinge of like somehow this is lesser and you don't need to be as right. I mean, it wasn't you until yes. fill your mark and turn your head this way and you'll be I'm, fine i'm but, not an yeah. expert so no one if anyone out there has a different opinion leave a comment um but i mean <laughs> you know prestige television i mean we're talking like the sopranos the wire yeah you know, you know then mad men i mean like yeah i mean television was where you know, big stars of old Hollywood went to get a paycheck. Right. Um, you no, know, yeah. So I mean, and then and you know, and theater, which admittedly doesn't I mean you're not gonna make your millions in theater by any means, but you know, to be on Broadway was considered like, oh, you're very talented. Yeah. Um, right. You know, and that was usually where and there there was and then again, that's also where a lot of big movie stars came from was, you know, I mean, Meryl Streep, uh, I believe it was, you know, the Yale School of Drama that she was, you know, plucked out of and hit the New York theater scene. And then she did like stuff at the public. And um, I think was Kramer, either Kramer versus Kramer or the deer hunter was her first big film. Um, but yeah, I mean, and again, there's no one going back to what I said before about, I didn't go to college, but I don't necessarily recommend that. I, I really don't think there's any one path for any, yeah. you, you know, unless you are doing something that if you want to be a social worker, 
then of course, yes, you have to go get your degree in social work. But I, I, I bet, I mean, you would know better. No, than but me. Honestly, I mean, I agree with you though, because I think that there's a lot of stuff that you can do today to where if you, if you kind of know what you want to do and it doesn't need college, then don't do it because it is a lot of money mm -hmm. that if you don't end up needing to spend and put yourself out there, then yeah. I think, and I think it's okay to like tell kids that and tell people that, you know, um, I think the key is that you have to stress. It doesn't mean you don't need education. Though. Right. Right. I'm, I'm just telling you that if you don't know what you, if you want to be a heart surgeon, obviously. Right go to college. Or, and I don't think there's anything wrong with even going back and, and doing it later, you know, absolutely. because no, I absolutely. went back, like I started college, went to the military, then went back. Mm -hmm. And for me, like I had a different mindset and, and school has always been relatively easy for me, but it was easier mm -hmm. as I'd gone back and I was more focused. And I think that for other people it can be the same way, but we, everybody doesn't need to be you know, uh, in a four-year school and getting certificates and, you know, certifications yes. and different things, those are all still learning and you're still becoming better and growing whatever your craft is. And that right. could be the education, all the education that you need. I think it's just about being pragmatic and knowing if this is what you really want to do, that's great. Just be aware of the consequences, right? Yeah. Like, be aware if you want to go, I mean, for God's sake, don't, don't pursue an expensive four-year degree and you have no idea what you want to do. You're going to be saddled in debt and you didn't even get anything out. What's most important, mo most important about that process is you sat in classes and you probably have a 2.5 GPA and you just got on, you got through it. Yeah, you have a piece of paper, Did you? but you didn't really learn anything. You didn't right. really gain knowledge or experience and you maybe you just partied those four years if you just want to party for four years go party for four years <laughs> go, go do what that's i mean and again and i want to be clear maybe that's and and, and everyone's everyone's path is going to be different right. my point is i think that i think it's changing a lot i don't think it's as intense but i mean you know when i'm sure when you were in high school when i was in high school for sure it was you have to you are if you do not go to college oh no you're gonna be a failure you're gonna be a like failure and by the way Let's also not underestimate, and I'm not skilled in any way in these fields, but for God's sake, if you have any interest and passion for anything of a trade, right? For God, you, you could be doing so much. You are probably making bank right, <laughs> right, right doing now. So much better. If I could have, I mm -hmm. would have, but you mm -hmm. know, I just, I literally, my fingers cannot do that. Like I can't. <laughs> Like I, I, I fixed one pipe in my apartment in, in New York in like four years. And I thought I was like, you know, I am, I am Bob Vila. I am. I, am. <laughs> I have made fire. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. Um, no, but it's, yeah, everyone's path is different. Everyone's journey is different. And if you're out there and you're like, oh, but I really, really, really want to go to the school because I'm interested in learning X, Y, and Z, then of course go. Yeah, definitely. That's great. And pursue that. You know, it's it's um, so earlier you had mentioned yeah. how there's like a lot of different ways now that you can be involved in theater, in the arts, in yes. that whole thing that are more like sidelines behind the scenes, in front of the scenes. Um, what are some of those things? And also, were those available before? Do you think these are kind of like new little niche career paths um, that are kind no, of starting to branch I mean, out? There's, I mean, obviously things like digital marketing and stuff like that. I mean, that's ever evolving and that's always new. But no, I mean, these things existed, you know, for years and years and years um, and have always existed. I mean, you know, there's, you know, if you are interested in theater, you know, you could be an accountant for a nonprofit theater organization. If you are passionate about and again that's just like i'm talking about like 
the behind the scenes, the admin stuff. If you want to be an actor, and I cannot stress this enough, like there are theater festivals, there are professional equity unionized theaters. They're called regional theaters all across the country. I mean, Utah, Oregon has one of the biggest. I mean, like it's there. I mean, these these and I'm t these are full fledged. You are make you know you are making the same rates or at least the minimum. You are making the same minimum that a theater that some people in New York City or more are making, depending on what their contract was or if it was equity or not equity. And that's like the actors uh, stage managers union. Um, there's just you know there are so many paths. If, you know even if you are a musical theater and you're very very talented. You can get booked on national tours. You know, you may not be playing in New York right away, but you could be on the road, be in Elphaba in the national tour of Wicked if you're very, very, very talented and luck is on your side for two years before you're brought up, you know, to the big leagues, let's say. Yeah. Um, you know, think of it like minor league and major league baseball in that, you know, in that context. Um, and then, of course, there's fringe festivals, which I know people that tour. Fringe, I mean, the, the largest annual event in the world, period is the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And that's the only, the reason it's the largest annual is because the only two bigger events are technically the World Cup and the Olympics, but they're not every year, right? Wow. So Edinburgh, Edinburgh Fringe Festival is the biggest event, sells more tickets annually on average with the exception of the, you know, COVID years. Yeah. Um, than any event in the world. I know people that all they do is tour fringe festivals. And I mean, they're not millionaires, but they make good money. They sustain themselves. They are rega highly regarded. They get featured in, you know, the New York Times and they go on to do other big projects or they get, you know, I know this one fringe artist who, you know, he teaches other people how to like do their own one person shows and publicize. And then he gets picked up and his shows get picked up for tours to other places. And he's, developing educational material for you know the metropolitan opera and stuff oh, like wow that. like yeah there's so many paths it's such i know people that all they do are corporate theater gigs so like they get commissioned to put on like a 25 minute play oh, yeah so like when you're, you go on a work retreat or something and they yes. get to entertainment yes yes or like improv workshops or yeah. industries industrials industry stuff that like was bigger in the past but it still exists or people that create podcast radio theater that they listen to on platforms like you're listening to this conversation on now it's there's so many paths there's so many ways to get there so it's hard to give particular advice because there's so many variables but the right point but is, i think that people probably don't think about all those little things and how yeah. you can still definitely be involved in something but yeah. still um, yes and i mean i might i mean one of the best theater scenes in the country in my opinion is chicago I mean, they have some of the most amazing theater companies, Steppenwolf, you know, Second City, if you're an improv comedy lover, you know, half the name, half the big names in comedy you've ever heard of have some connection to Second City or, you know, or one of the schools that the alumni of Second City went on to create, like Upright Citizens Brigade. Um, you know, there's just, there's so many paths. There's so many paths, especially if you're interested in comedy. I highly recommend. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love, I love theater. I love going to theater. Um I took Jacqueline to see Dracula. Um, oh, okay. We went for Valentine's Day. The <laughs> the Little Wilkes-Barre Theater, I think it is. Little Theater Wilkes-Barre, yeah. Oh, yeah, there we go. Um, so literally like 100 years. That's oh, been my God. And it was so good. Mm -hmm. Like, I... I Dracula is my favorite book, so I was already okay. ready, you know, but <laughs> it was so much better than I thought it was going to be. And like, you know, she loved it and everything. It was really, really great. That's and uh, I love to go support things like that and just thinking, you know, and I was trying to explain to her about, you know, oh, those are actors and what do they do and stuff. And I said, some of them like tour around and they go to other places and they'll put on the same show somewhere else. And, mm -hmm. 
you know, and everything like that. But it's it's great. And there's still things out there like that that are happening and that are, you know, not super expensive that you can go and have a date or just yes. know, take your family and take the kids. Yes. And, and it runs the spectrum. I mean, there's things like, you know, uh, that are totally, totally community theater. Everyone's a volunteer. They all have other jobs. They're just doing this because they love it. And it can be amazing. And then there's other people that are kind of more semi-professional and they all get paid, you know, a stipend and they're all, you know, this is, this is like, you know, a good chunk of what they do with their life. And then there's full on, I am a full-time professional actor. Um, you know, but again, I mean, I know a ton of people that are professional actors in New York city that if I like broke it down for you, you would be like, Oh, I remember them from blah. They were on three episodes of law and order or, Oh, I remember them from, yeah, yeah. they were in this movie or they toured and a lot. I mean, and some of them are making acting from 100% their income. Others are, they're directing, they might be producing, they might be doing marketing for another play. Some of them might be teaching or, you know, a nanny, you know what I mean, like during the day so they can audition and rehearse in the evenings or yeah. have a flexible, you know. The reason the joke about waiting tables isn't because actors don't have other skills and aren't qualified. It's because they needed a service industry job or the schedule was flexible. Right. Because, if, you know, I if I, hey, I got booked on a show. I'm booked, you know, full. I mean, you know, when you're in a professional show and you're rehearsing, you are rehearsing like a nine to five job. Yeah. You know, possibly even more depending on the, the hours and the contract. So you have to have a flexible schedule and you have to have a job that you can come that, you know, it might take me a week or two to get on the schedule, but I'll can, I can come back to this job. Right. So, yeah. So how did you, so you said that there's other fringe festivals all over the place. Yeah. Um, so when you were thinking of, I guess, starting one here, mm -hmm. kind of what was your process for that? And was there one here already? So good questions. No, uh, there had never been one in Scranton. Um, uh, it was a long winded path, but basically the idea came to me floating on a riverbed in Kansas City, Missouri. I was touring with it to a friend Kansas City Fringe Festival which is a big which is a big festival out there um and it was me and a bunch of people and they all had we all were from Northeast PA originally in the cast and we got put up at this person's home and we were having a day off and just talking and at that point I had done other fringe festivals and done research and it was like I wonder if a fringe festival would work in Scranton and we started talking sort of about what does the city need? Like, you know, it should be walkable. Venues are close to each other, affordable. And it was like out of 10 top things, Scranton at least had like nine of them, right? Wow, yeah. And so then I came back um, and I tell the story differently than she would. But, <laughs> I, but uh, Elizabeth Bohan and I, who is the co-founder and she's now the managing director of Fringe, I'm co-founder and executive director. Um, we had like a long, long meeting coffee date at Starbucks. Um, and we talked it all out. She claims I told her other people were coming. I remember <laughs> it. I stand by my version of the story, which was I put out a call and, you know, this is just further proof of, you know, what, you know, what, with the power of showing up, she showed up. And yeah. so, okay, I guess it's you and me. And that was literally the extent of the conversation. Like, I mean, the conversation was deeper, but that's literally how it happened. I put, I, I put it out there, explained what a fringe festival is, how it might work. And a ton of people loved the idea but didn't really step up. Other people were like, oh, honey, I don't think that would ever work here. And some people were like, no, that's never going to work. And, you know, the power of, huh, I'm interested in that. Let me show up. Uh, I had used to run with a different person, uh, Teresa O'Connor, a all ages coffee shop, punk rock, music space, art gallery called The Vintage. Um, and that was the summer we were kind of winding that down. We had done it for six years. It was just time for a new chapter. 
operating a full-time space, the budget, the fundraising, the, the, yeah. the time it takes is a lot, is a lot, is a lot, is a lot. Um, and uh, Liz uh, and I, start, had, who had uh, become friends with Teresa and started volunteering and helping out a lot in a lot of ways at the Vintage, we became friends. And then, um, yeah, so that's how that kind of got off the ground. So that was like August of 2014. And then we had our first fundraising event in November of 2014, I think. And then the festival was fall of 2015. So oh, we, wow. we took like a, we took a good year to plan. Yeah. I mean, yeah. which I mean, we could have taken longer and it wouldn't have been the worst idea, what? <laughs> but, but I think, but a, but a year was just about what I think we needed. Yeah. Wow. So what, how many, um, how many events did you start off with your, the first year? Oh, too many, <laughs> way too many. Uh, 20, so 2015, it was four days in like early October. It was like, we kicked off on a Thursday night with, with a big party and then it was shows Friday, all day, Saturday, Sunday. So it was a four day festival, three days of really hardcore content. Um, and I want to say we had close to like 50 productions Wow! And in those 50 productions that they might've been one, some of them were one-off events, other than performed three times, four times. Um, so, I mean, it was a lot, it was a lot. It was like in 12 different venues, we had staff everywhere. I mean, it was crazy. It was very stressful. We had, I can say this honestly, we had the biggest, I think to this date, the biggest fight we Liz and I have ever had in 10 years. <laughs> um, at the end of that, there was just a lot of miscommunication. There was also a lot of, um, for anyone out there that are event planners or non want to be organizers and work together with someone, um, there was a lot of, well, mom said it was okay to dad going oh, yeah, on yeah and we were very you know splintered and felt disjointed but we've worked on it and not that we've don't have our moments but i mean that was i think we i think that was a big learning curve for both of us yeah. um and that was we had about you know we had a you know we had a decent amount of people turn up our shows did really well and it's only grown since then i mean yeah, that's an insane first year like, that's crazy year. i could give my advice to anyone it's like oh if you want to start a festival you want to start a theater or a company, you want to do anything on the prof a more professional level or anything, don't underestimate how much work something's going to be. Because that was probably, you know, a year, when I say a year, we could have used more time. A year was enough time if we had maybe 20 shows yeah. that first year. But I mean, close to 50. I mean, the thought of that, we're, I mean, we're like in, we've, we've consolidated to focus on other things and audience development. And we're spread out over almost two weeks now. That amount of, that amount of, shows is just the fact that it was our first year and we had no idea what we were doing yeah is mind-boggling i'm a big believer in dive in try something make it happen but the lackawanna county naacp is having their grand opening come out on september 21st from 4 to 6 p.m the grand opening will be held at the Scranton Enterprise Center, which is located on 201 Lackawanna Avenue. We hope to see you all there. I think doing it big our first year, in some ways, it was very, very stressful, but in some ways helped. We made a big splash. It was definitely something different. There was a lot of people that stood up and took notice. Mm -hmm. um, you know, And one of the first pieces of advice we ever got from other fringe festivals, uh, because there are over 200 in the world, and we belong to two different groups, the United States Association of Fringe Festivals, and there's a World Association, um, and there's others. There's a whole um, one that's just Canadian um we were told like just be forewarned if you start a fringe festival not even like 
a you know theater festival but if you call it a fringe it's great there's all these things that come with it you're part of this legacy um you have all these resources but you will spend every professional year every professional year of your life you will have to keep educating people what it is and what why is it called that and like they said it does not matter if you are you know the edinburgh fringe and you've been around for over 70 plus right. years and sell literally millions of tickets they have over four thousand shows the month of august all throughout the city of edinburgh um versus you know smaller ones like you know mid-sized ones like ours um, so we kind of, you know, we take that with a bit of a grain of salt that, yeah, people took notice and then we have to educate them again and again and again. So and how would you, what would you tell people that fringe is and why you decided to fringe is a, an, is an approach to the performing arts, to arts and culture in general. Um, it's not, it's uncensored. It's often, uh, rapid fire. It's often marathon style, multiple shows in one venue over a period of time, multiple venues, things happening at the same time. We um, curate our festival from an open application. There's no cost to apply. And we very much curate for time and space. We're not like hypercritical. You could be never have done a play before and be super amateur and we'll accept you. You might be a professional touring company of 30 people and we've accepted you. It's really a question of time, space, diversity of content, diversity of voices. We try to prioritize, you know, marginalized voices whenever we can. Um, whenever it's possible. We joke that if we, a lot of fringe festivals operate over a um, lottery system where you apply, you pay a, you pay an application fee. As long as you meet the basic criteria, everyone goes into a hat and then X number of productions are pulled out of a hat and those are the shows in the festival. Yeah. And I, I like that. I appreciate what it's for and its spirit. That might work or like first come first serve where we're open, pay your fee and then you're in and that's it. Um, that might work in different areas and markets, but in a region like ours that doesn't have anything quite like this already, we felt a responsibility to kind of make sure we did the best job we could and, and be a little more hands-on. Um, and we joke that if we did it by lottery, it would be 50% of our festival would be white men with suitcases doing one-man shows. Because it, it would just be like, white guy with a suitcase comes on, sits on a bench and goes, let me tell you a story about yeah. my life. I mean, there's a lot of that. There's a lot, I mean, because... Fringe festivals, right? Touring work. You, it's a lot of small work, one, two person shows, easy to tour, easy to manage. It's often very autobiographical. Like a lot of people do shows in fringe festivals because um, they're a survivor of a certain disease or they overcame a certain kind of trauma or they went through a really quirky life experience or represent a very distinct culture. And that's wonderful, but we didn't want the entire festival to be that. Right. Yeah. But yeah. That's cool. Yeah, no, it's 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 interesting. It's a lot of fun. I and um, I actually, I think I just looked it up. Um, initially, like when I first heard of it, because I was like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but I was like, this is so cool. Um, I just I love that you kind of just do your own thing. You know, um, mm -hmm. so many different things. Like even during COVID, you know, you had the porch fest. Yes, um, we did live or... music and people decorated their porches. We did that for two years. We do intend on bringing that back and focusing more on music, but we kind of had to, we had, we had to kind of take a year. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, that was such a, I, I think you see things and you kind of see like a hole in a need and you're willing to go ahead and, and try to fill that with something. And I, I think that's really, really great. And I definitely think you're such an example to other people who, want to have a career in this, you know, and Aww. your career is so diversified, you know, you're in so many different things here and there and everything. And I, I think it's really, really, I'm 
Thank you. That's very yeah. sweet. I'm very, I'm very lucky. Yeah, I get to run, co-run Fringe here. Uh, I'm the performing arts manager for an organization called the Delaware Valley Arts Alliance that's based up in the Catskills. Um, and I'm very lucky to have that job. I'm very, uh, I've been doing that for only about six months or so. But we, we have, it's a beautiful community up there, super diverse in arts and its cultural history. And they have, I mean, I can't, I literally can't say, but like the names of the people who live in that town would shock you. <laughs> like in that area, like, like, I mean, a, 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 a plus listers. Yeah. Um, I mean, cause you know, it's the Catskills. It's, it's, you know, it's that, that area, especially I like to joke that it's, I heard someone say once and it's so perfect. It's like the new Hamptons for rich people who don't want to seem like they're rich. Yeah. But are in fact, <laughs> but are in fact very rich. Um, so I get to do that. And I love that. I still get to write. And I co-created a show that we, that we performed that was performed in New York um and in orlando and in scotland um and we're re we're developing it now and we're hoping to hopefully have a have a big 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 new york return in the in the next year or two to come um um i and i, I co-created that with a musician uh, from new orleans that's a really fabulous project i'm very proud of and hopefully we'll have more to talk about that in the next year or two yes absolutely um, um, you know, and I, I got, I mean, I could go back to acting more regularly, but with my arts admin stuff, scheduling, it is just hard. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, full transparency. So this isn't like I'm some, you know, rainbows and sunshine, you know, my, you know, I, I lost my dad, um, to a pulmonary embolism back in June of 2021. Um, uh, my mom lives with me now full time. I do have a lot of support for my other siblings and help from family, which is wonderful, but you know, I'm kind of helping take care of her. She's going through some of her own medical journey. Um, you know, so it's not that life's perfect. It's not that right. it's challenging. It's not that I don't have moments, but it's, you know, I get to do what I love. And I, I, I'm, I'm very, very, very grateful for that. I'm a state rostered artist, which means I get to teach in different residencies I'm assigned to throughout the year in public school, private school. I'll be teaching older adults, uh, this coming season, which I'm really excited about. Oh, have you taught, um, older adults before? I have, this will be the most, uh, intense that I've done, but I've done like, workshops and stuff like that this year is Do you this, like the littles or the older people i like older i i i i i there's a different there's different joys and different benefits um younger kids i feel a little more at ease because i'm the adult in the room right <laughs> yeah but with older adults you know i'm 32 now so i'm still you know you, not I, the adult <laughs> no um but i will say for the most part i love working with older adults um, I, I like working with older adults. I, I love learning from them. I, they come from, they're just, they're, first of all, they're adults, right? I mean, we can communicate, they listen to direction for the most part. Um, they take feedback. It's, uh, you know, I, you know, I'm, I've always, I've always been the kid that was told I had an old soul. So yeah. I feel very at ease with, um, older adults. I, I don't know. It's, there's pluses and minuses on both sides, but I personally find that more rewarding. I also feel and I, I know there's people that might disagree with this, but so that the play I mentioned that I co-create with a musician from New Orleans is very much about dementia uh, and centered around a father-son dynamic dealing with dementia. Um, and I'm now going through that with not my father, but my mother to an extent and that journey. So I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of research. I've been, I'm, I'm in a lot of online groups um, and a lot of meetings and, and, you know, research and having to, and talking to experts. Um, not that I'm an expert by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, they um, have like more caregiver supports now. 
yes. that are out there. Uh, but yes. Because they realize that caregiver burnout is such a real thing. Ooh, uh, my oh, grandmother oh, had it. dementia. I took care of her as well, like um, mm -hmm. the last few months of her life and things. And it's it's a lot of work. Yes, it is. Know. I'm very yeah. lucky. You know, her. she's still mostly herself and she's still with it to a certain extent. But it's a lot. It's very draining. And it's, of course, you're watching someone you love go through it you know change and it's yeah. very very challenging um what i was going to say though was i feel that older adults i don't know it's weird i know there's a lot of re as you just said there are a lot of resources out there and more and more and more i think that i want to we, we kind of view when we work with younger kids in any capacity social work humanitarian um caregiving you know arts and culture education there's more of a hopefulness within those spheres because it's like the next generation and they have their whole futures ahead of them. And no matter how dark, and, and there are some, of course, messed up situations that, and home and family life that kids come from, there's always this twinge of, well, we can help them. So there's support and we can grow and it's hopeful. Older adults, and it's getting better. It's often kind of a, let's make them comfortable and make sure they're okay. And uh, they had a good run. And it's like, no, they still could have years ahead of them. Yeah, and, to and, enjoy and, and like they're, yeah. And, and grow and learn. They're still, an, again, they're an adult. They're a human being. And even if, let's say, there are some situations where there is, they are on borrowed time. Why are we only thinking about, why can't that, why are we only talking about quantity? Why can't that experience be quality as well? Why can't they have, you know, when I'm, when I'm in my 70s, I don't want to give up. I right. hope I, I hope I don't. I mean, if I'm lucky enough, I'll get, I'll make it there. Like but, I still want to enjoy things and like yes, you know, and they yeah. and what they want to learn something different. And going back to what we said before, maybe they maybe they they discovered their love of theater later in life, or maybe they've always loved theater, but you know, mom and dad said they had to go be a lawyer or an accountant, or they had to go work at the work at a restaurant, and this is their first chance to experience it and feel that you know that spotlight on their skin. Let them have yeah. that moment. Let them have that moment. You don't know what joy and talent not only for the, that they're going to bring to themselves but they're going to share with others in the community i just i don't know i feel like we need i don't know i i i don't mean if anyone out there works with children i know there's so much need and it's so challenging and so difficult it's all difficult i don't mean to take away from that i just i'm i'm a little more interested in working with older adults but yeah. at the end of the day i believe arts and culture arts change entire communities so I don't think it has to be a one or the other conversation yeah. at the end of the day. But long-winded answer, older so adults. So I think when you say that art art changes communities, I do too as well. Um, and so like when you look at politics, mm -hmm. arts is seen as a very liberal, you know, democratic mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So there kind of are these attacks on arts. And I'm not even sure if it's necessarily an attack on the art itself or an attack on liberalism. And mm -hmm. an attempt to kind of not spread that. But as you're you're in that culture, so what do you see as a way of um how to keep it going despite kind of the political adversity that like the alt arts and cultures type of education and like mm -hmm. movement get? I feel and maybe I'm naive for saying this. I feel like we're 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 more and more reaching a point where majority of people, and I, I and I'm going to include politicians, you know, in that statement, know that arts have that power, right? Like, there's it's gotten to the point where they might debate and question what type of art, what what is art, and what what is art that we should be promoting and teaching, and that's a valid conversation that I have a lot to say on. But 
in general, I mean, arts, especially arts and education, and there's a great organization around here called Arts and Education Northeast Pennsylvania. That's who I'm uh, kind of a state rostered artist through. And I highly recommend that under uh, Dr. Catherine Cullen. I recommend everyone go check that out. They have a whole list of artists by genre and medium that are teaching artists, and they do a lot of great programming. Um, but I think that and they train us very well, too. I think that in, the, in, in that conversation, it's sort of like, yeah, the arts do help. The arts and culture are great, and that's wonderful. Where I feel that oftentimes there's a disconnect is there I, I feel like we we in the arts and culture field are always trying to show data and that is of course important but i think that politicians especially on the regional state level need to be shown more and more and more like arts economically drive communities and mm. I, I and i hate talking about it in dollars and cents because it's so much more than that and there's so much no more. but i i don't think i've ever really heard anybody say it like that though. i mean our the fringe festival alone um you know, in we work with uh, the business honors program at the University of Scranton. We worked with them for a couple of years and we're hoping to work with them again very soon. Um, they did an audience impact study for us. So they, they interviewed a ton of audience members at the events and then a certain amount online afterward that we were able to connect with. I mean, I'm talking a lot of data, a lot, a lot of data over the years. And we were able to determine that roughly our festival alone, not even our year-round programming, just the Fringe Festival, generates, I mean, over $200,000, $250,000 a year for the greater area. Oh, wow. And, and that's, I mean, it's a lot. And when you think about it, it's because, well, it's people traveling, it's people hiring babysitters, it's Ubers, it's restaurants, it's hotels. Right, it's, yeah. You know, shopping. Um, you know, and I mean, that's a, that's a big number and we're one organization. I mean, and we're a relatively modest sized one. I mean, I can't imagine what, you know, I mean, if you think about like, even just think about like when the Broadway shows tour to the Scranton cultural center, I mean, all the restaurants that, that people book dinners at, right, yep, the, yeah. you know, all the people they have to, you know, the, the Ubers, the babysitters. No, I mean, because that's definitely me. Cause my first thing is I got to get my babysitter done. <laughs> so. right, no. And it's, and so, I mean, again, I don't want to speak about it. Like it's only an economic value, but it, I mean the, but I definitely think it does too. Cause then I'm ordering food for the babysitter. Yes. And when then, you, every you know, dollar and then I'm going to eat when I yes. go out. And, Public you know, funding so, yeah. into the arts is funding for community and economic growth. I think it's something wow. like every dollar you invest, the community tip, if it's invested wisely, typically gets back like seven or something like that in terms yeah. of what you invest and what you what the return is. The The problem is, is that one, organizations aren't always capturing this data like we were lucky to in the way they should. Right. And two, we need more advocates. And quite frankly, you know, I mean, there are lobbyists at this at the federal level. And we have Citizens for the Arts Pennsylvania at the state level that is kind of the the unofficial or official advocacy organization for the state. And they do great work. Um, you know, but I mean, I go down to I go to Harrisburg at least once a year, uh, thanks to Citizens for the Arts. And I meet with like representatives and state rep, state senators and their and their chiefs of staff and stuff like that. And not just about what we do, but we talk about this is the data for the entire state of Pennsylvania and how incredibly impactful that is. And not just in bigger cities like Philly or Pittsburgh or even mid-size areas like ours, but in the really rural communities, what arts and culture do, the economic development, the wellness, um, how it, you know, I'm a firm believer in that the arts don't just help a community survive, they help a community thrive. Yeah. I think we've seen in recent years, public art is starting to get more of its due, um, especially murals and new murals. murals. And, but, yeah. but murals are, I, I just want to say this, love murals, love murals. And, and there's a reason that we think of them when we think of public art, because, right, they're stationary, they're they're, they're relatively permanent, um, they're big and visible. But public art could also mean free symphony performances in the park for six weeks in the summer or when the Nayog Park does do 
you know, a free music concert mm-hmm. that has no series. Or, you know, if when Fringe, we get commissioned uh, the last couple of years by uh, Lackawanna County for the Winter Market, and we do a big outdoor theater production for kids and their families on Courthouse Square mm-hmm. the first weekend of December. I mean, that's public art. That's, you know, Scranton Shakespeare Festival. All, most of what they do is free and open. You have to register and take, there's limited space, of course, but it's public and it's free. I mean, so the 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 avenues of conversation we could pursue on this are endless and the thing that i think we also should appreciate specifically for your local listeners is that Lackawanna County which Scranton is the seat of is the only county in the state if i'm correct that has a dedicated arts and culture tax which funds you know over a million dollars in arts yeah. and culture programming and organizations and the thing is that's great and that's big and i know people hear tax and go ooh i don't want to be taxed i don't want to pay for that Two things I say to that. One, we all have to spend our tax dollars. All of our tax dollars get spent on things we don't want it to be spent on. I don't want, you know, my tax dollars to be put into ammunition. (laughs) Right. But it is. But it is. um, To the extent, at least, that it is. And, you know, also on a regional level, the return of investment and economic development that does is, you know, tenfold. And also, I think that averages like less than $20. And if you own property in Lackawanna County, your tax is like less than 20 bucks a year. So first of all, we're not talking about like anything major here. And anyone that ever politically... But I think that the payoff is so big though, because there are so many things. And and I tell people this in this area, and I think sometimes people kind of roll their eyes at me, but I'm like, there's so much stuff to do. And there's so many things for me to go do as like a, a single mother with a kid who, you know, everything, I can't always be, you know, in a bar. So for me to be able to take her around to go to different events and see different styles of art, and a lot of times for free, is amazing. And there's so many different places and things and, like, the diversity of it here. And I've lived a lot of different places. And this is probably one of the most art-heavy places I've ever there is lived so, in there's to so where much. you're able to go experience and experience it on a level where you can afford to actually go do that. Yes. And yeah. go because I lived in like Denver before and I loved it, but yeah, most stuff all cost you something to go do. It was rare right. that you could walk around on a Friday night and hit up a bunch of different things that were just free and open for you to just right. go into. Right. No, and that's a big deal. We, you know, we were, you know, a lot of our events are ticketed, admittedly, to everyone. But I mean, our tickets are like 15 bucks. No, well, and, yes. Also, yes. <laughs> and they're, they're affordable. And you can also, if you want to, you can buy a VIP pass for like a hundred, less than a hundred dollars to go see everything everything and be able to walk around and, Down, be, and yeah. then, then that's just i'm just talking about fringe obviously no i know and be but able like, to go to different events and stuff yeah and but there's also the, there's first fridays in scranton and then and again i'm everything i'm gonna say is very scranton um centered but i mean the, you know there are things in wilkesbury and there are you know they do, i think they have one on like thursday is it thursdays in wilkesbury yeah okay yeah i mean like uh, different communities have their own kind of take on first yeah. friday um, but yeah, there's so many art walks and galleries and concerts and the colleges and the symphonies and the North. I see the commercials for the walking tour in Scranton all the time for the, yeah. um, which I think is super cool. <laughs> so yes. And like me, and then there's everything from, you know, we're coming up on the Halloween season and there's, you know, ghost tours and there's paranormal investigations you can go take part in and there's you know the haunted hay rides and pumpkin patches and that's cultural and they have arts included but then there's also things like you know legitimate real theater and music and film and 
there's, you know, I mean, I, it's, there's so much that the thought of having to list it all feels like insulting, right? Yeah. It's, like, yeah. it's so out there. Now, if you're out there and you're like, oh, I love all that, but I don't always hear about it. That I think is more, that's a little more fair of a conversation. Yeah. It's hard to keep up. But then my, my answer is always like, okay, you know, on behalf of Fringe, like, do you, did you go to our website and sign up for our email updates? No. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm like, well, that's first thing you could do. Scranton Fringe. <laughs> Sign up for our email updates, or do you follow us on social media? Well, no, not really. Okay, well, I don't know what where you do. You read the paper, like the Scranton Times, or like the Weekend Edition? No. Okay, I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> I don't know how you want me to reach you. Yeah, no, that's definitely that. That's hard, but and I think a lot of them are now using social media and yes. and pushing it out there more on that. Um, to be it because I think that is true. Sometimes you don't hear about things, and like I remember randomly seeing something about the Dracula play, and mm -hmm. then going to like find it, <laughs> yeah, search for it. But now I know that there's a bunch of stuff coming up, Rocky Horror Picture Show, right? Um, that I am planning on attending. Oh, and... okay. Who are you gonna be? Oh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> magenta, I mean, magenta, or do you want to be a? Are you gonna go full on? Do you want to be Doctor Frankenfurter or? No. Yes, I do. I do. Okay, I actually, good. Because I think that when I was a kid watching it dancing around, like I was the doctor. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like that awesome. was, that definitely was it. <laughs> but, but then I also envisioned a little trench coat scene, dan you know, so then I'm like, I don't, okay, I don't know, guys, but, but we're going to do it. You have stuff coming up as well. Yes, the Scranton Fringe Festival, 2023 Scranton Fringe Festival is September 28th through October 7th in venues all throughout downtown Scranton. We have an incredible, incredible lineup. Um, please, you can go to scrantonfringe.org and you'll find all the events, schedule, our guide, and you can buy tickets. There's also our printed fringe guides that are popping up in locations all around Northeast PA. But again, you can just download the digital version of that at scrantonfringe.org for free. Um, we have our events are ticketed. You could buy a hopper pass. There's also is some free programming you could take advantage of. There really is something for everyone. Theater, films, um, you know, more movement based music, really, really, rec you know, free. Everything we do at the Lackawanna County Children's Library is free. So for any parents out there, you're on a budget. I hear you. We have a kid silent disco coming to the Children's Library, an open mic night for the kids. We also have a professional theater uh, shadow puppet play coming in. Uh, the first weekend of Fringe, Saturday, September 30th, I believe. Um, and again, all of this is at ScrantonFringe.org. I really, really recommend. Go check it out. Come to the festival. Experience it for yourself. I promise you, you'll have a great time. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. The Silent Disco is fun. Um, yes. Me and we Jack did it we have one a for couple kids years ago. And, and one for adults. still talks about it. Yeah. Yes. So come to the first week. Uh, or no, I think it's the same... I think it's the same weekend, actually, second weekend. There's we'll have a Friday, Friday night, first Friday at Affa Gallery in downtown Scranton after first Friday. We have kind of a fringe after party silent disco. That's more for the adult scene. And then the next day during the day, we'll have the kids' silent disco at the children's library. And the kids really love it. They we get they we, we curate the playlist to be their kind of favorites and hits and some Aww. little, you know, they, they have a blast. And it's great for the parents. They get to kind of network and mingle and hang out. And because it's all through the headsets, it's not like a loud environment. Yeah. And they can you can take your headset off, you can control your own volume. It's great for kids who want to be part of it, but maybe are a little more sensitive to sensory um, stimulation. So I really, really recommend go to scrantonfringe.org, look at what we have coming up. 
ask, you know, through the website, you can contact us. If you have any questions, we'd be happy to help. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, you just got gave us so much information. I, I really hope that you guys go check it out. And definitely, you guys can definitely support them. Um, you can give donations to them. Yes. I know that for us around this area, it's big for like giving Tuesdays and different things. And you can always donate towards. Please, please, please. Um, Absolutely. Connor has definitely helped out a lot of local artists and and people um, through the work he's done, through just getting donations for people, just being the amazing person that you are. So thank you so much. And thank you. Thank you for bringing this to this area. You know, we, we have such a great art scene here. And I think it's definitely a lot of people our age who are coming in and, and seeing the beauty in it and really trying to make it yes. into something great. You yes. Know? Thank you. And I, I really want to give a shout out to Elizabeth on my team, um, my you know co-founder and everyone on our team who has been so helpful and done so much work and really brought this to life. This is our ninth year. Um, we have some big plans for year 10. So please follow us on social media, Scranton Fringe Festival. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we are on TikTok. We're kind of growing that presence. We're not great yet at it. Uh, we had an intern who's doing their best and doing a good job. Um, um, but something I wanted to mention, just to kind of touch on something you said real quick, which was uh, that we are, we have a great art scene. And we do. This region has a fantastic art scene before Fringe, as a result of Fringe. And if we ever close our doors or cease operations someday, maybe, we'll, it will always continue as long as there's people that are talented and care and passionate what I will say is such a pet peeve for me. And I, I I need to like, I don't know, talk to my therapist about this and figure out where my problem is. But when people, there's a lot of great new things popping up over the last couple of years. There's things that have been going on for years and years and years before Fringe. I, we at Fringe always said the reason we've been able to succeed and grow and even exist in the first place was because there was already a strong foundation. Right. There already was a good yeah. arts and culture scene. We never, I mean, sometimes you can start something from the ground up totally from scratch. Like there's nothing going on in your town, like literally nothing. And that's great. But usually in an area like this, especially that has, you know, towns and townships and counties all connected, there already had to kind of be a good thing going and different things to pull inspiration from and artists to be in the festival and to produce their own work and perform and help out and volunteer and stuff like that. When I see people start things that are wonderful and great and they deserve all the credit in the world, but they act like they just invented the wheel, it <laughs> drives me up a wall. It drives, I'm not going to name names, but it drives me up a wall, mostly because it's just, it takes nothing. It, it costs nothing to be grateful, right? Yeah. It costs nothing. It's also just not true. Like if I got, if we started Fringe and I was like, yeah, no one's, there's no one doing anything, anything as good or like us. No, I mean, the Scranton Shakespeare Festival has existed for a couple years before us. Um, you know, there was lots of venues that were doing fringe-like stuff for years and years and years. Half the artists that were in our festival, especially in the early days, have been doing their own work. This was kind of just a new way to bring them together, a new right. platform. You know, what we love to do is we kind of subsidize a lot of the cost and you know, no, and there's so, there's so many other things. Um, I'm in the the Wally Gordon singers. Yes. Um, and that has been going on for for Ever. years. Yeah. There's been so many different choirs. And, right. And but imagine if a choir, happening. if yeah. a new choir popped up, and they were like, "Hey, listen, we're gonna do this because we want to do. We, we're doing a certain style of music, let's say, that others aren't doing right now, and that's great, and that's fantastic, and we're gonna go to schools, and that's what we want to focus on." There's always room for more. There's always ways to improve or do something different. But yeah. imagine if they got up there and they were like, yeah, no one's really doing choir in this area. Yeah. How insulting would that be? And also just stupid. It's like 
Google can confirm that's not true. Yeah. No, we I tell people because I'm like, we do have we have great artists coming in, but I'm like, they're already here. There's already so many talented musicians. We just had the Electricity Music Conference was you know over this whole weekend. Yeah. And there's just so much music and so many talented producers and like recording artists and singers and everything. It 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 was just insane to see that many talented people and in such a small area. You know, right. but there right. there already is so much so much talent here. Yeah, and to and to and to pretend like it's not here, or to pretend like you're the first person to think about throwing, you know, a festival or starting an organization yeah. or forming a choir, it just it mind boggles me, and it just like oh, it, I don't, I find it reductive. I find <laughs> I think it sets us back. I do because then it creates this narrative, and I'm sorry, but it does happen, especially in like media. Because the you know local media when they're covering arts and culture they need it bite sized they need mm-hmm. it ready to go they need to communicate and when you're being quoted as saying like yeah like we're doing you know we need more of this more of this is fine I'm always happy to hear that but it's also a question of okay well what do you mean more what what's not happening that you want to see happen right. and that's and there's a there's a hundred and one valid answers to that question but it just I don't know and, and I don't know why because it really has nothing to do with me it doesn't really come into my <laughs> Or table. I mean, like I will say, we've gotten messages over the years from people who are like, "I want to start an arts festival in Scranton, and I'm I'm looking for your help." And that's great. And everyone deserves a chance to have their baby and and grow their own thing. And my answer is always, my rather my my response is always, "That's fantastic." Can I ask what's not already happening that you want to see more of? For me, I think it. I feel that same way, kind of in the social work side of it, because mm. people will kind of say, "Oh, we well, we need to do this," but we already have that. And if there's like, if the issue is that people don't know about it, then maybe you can help us with that. Like maybe we can spread the word more so that more people are aware, or maybe we need to make it bigger so we can work together and kind of put our things together. But I think it's hard when everybody wants to kind of start their individual thing. Yes. Um, and then it takes away from everything. And I will instead also say, of kind of making it one thing, and, it, and it's like, well, why are you starting this? Is it right. because you actually care about the arts and you care about the people, you care about the message, or do you want something with your name on it? Because if you don't right. care about your name being on it, then you can join us and join in right. with this, and, and we can kind of try to all do it together. I 100% agree with what you just said. I think it's also important to know, okay, if you're going to do your thing and you want to do your own thing, that's great, but don't pretend that you're the only one or, and also for God's sake, don't schedule it at the same time. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, listen, there's only 52 weekends a year. I get that. There is, you know, we're, I mean, we, we've done, you know, we've had to grow our programming and we had to do some stuff in the summer and that was the only time we could do it. And it sucked because we overlapped with the Shakespeare Festival to a small. But again, that's like they go on for like six weeks. So we only really did like one weekend. Yeah. So like in that time period and we worked together and cross promote and they're part of our festival this year and they're great. Um, so again, like there's there's things are going to overlap sometimes. No, I, de- I definitely know that. I remember there was like two like little film festival things happening like over the same weekend one time people were pissed off and I was like this why would you do this why would you do and again sometimes there's just honest mistakes but if you're programming far enough in advance it's like okay well let's not do this one specific thing at the time this other one specific thing is happening um yeah and when we started the fringe festival in Scranton we specifically picked um early late September it's always been early October late September early October last weekend in September and or first weekend in October now we're both um, pretty much. And that was because we wanted to, one, we looked at the time 
10 years ago of other fringe festivals on the East Coast. And we kind of tried to slot ourselves in. We're right after Philly and Rochester, but we're bef- we were at the time before um, Baltimore and other things um, in other parts. So we kind of wanted to slot our own time and fill a gap. And this area is so beautiful in that time of year in the fall. Yeah. But also because there used to be this great festival called Pages and Places, which was a literary festival, but they brought in, I mean, Christopher Hitchens and I mean, huge, huge, huge names in the literary world. And that was always the first weekend in October. And it was a multi-venue literary festival. And when that kind of wound uh, wound down and they closed up and they don't have it anymore, that was kind of like, okay, there's kind of a arts and cultural window now that we can kind of claim as our own and we're not competing with anyone and we're not, and we're carrying on the spirit of what they did, but something very, 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 very different. Um, and again, it just, I don't know from, I, I almost want to do like a, like a, like a panel private talk with different <laughs> organizers. Um, and we do when we meet and stuff like that, but just, and again, I'm not an expert. I mean, I'm learning as I go all the time. Yeah. So it infuriates me. So like this person came to us and was like, oh, I want to start like a performing arts festival in Scranton. It was like, okay, that's great. I'm like, cool. Could you tell me? And if that person's answer was, I want to start a dance festival in Scranton. And I'd be like, okay, I mean, we've, we have dance in our festival, but it's not focused on that. So sure. I hear you. Like that's, I want to do an Asian American literary festival, period. Super specific. Right. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Different. But when it's just like, I'm like, okay, well, what do you want to do? Well, like I'll get venues and people can like do whatever they want. I'm like, okay, well, that's literally what the fringe does. Um, and I said, like, are you familiar with us? Well, I've heard of you and I've been to the festival a couple of times, but not really. Oh, okay. Well, you reached out to me. So there must be a re- So like, what about us? Do you, and I said, like, you're not going to offend me. What are we doing that you think we should be doing differently or you're going to do differently? And it just became clear. It's like, okay, you, you haven't thought this through at all. Right. Yeah. Because, and it's, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with having an idea and getting advice and needing coaching and growing your idea, whatever it may be, whatever business enterprise, new venture you want to take on. But when someone doing the very thing you're doing is telling you, I don't hear a difference. I don't hear enough of why, especially, especially in the nonprofit world where it's not like we're all competing for millions and we're trying to. Right. You know, no. And that, and that's something like listening to you say, I've felt this exact same thing about things because I hear mm-hmm. it. People are like, Oh, well, there's nothing like this or there's nothing like that. And I'm like, okay, well explain it to me then. Because Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What is the gap that you see that maybe I'm just blind to not, and I'm not seeing but I mean, and you said in like the social work world, I'm sure, I mean, in every field, I'm sure it happens. Like I'm going to start a food pantry. Okay. Did you talk to any of the food pantries or that are, are food banks that already exist right. and figure out like, is it, is it because you want to open? It's like, Hey, there's not one in this neighborhood. Okay. And then we have it and there's a demand for it there. Okay, cool. But again, my answer is always, is there anyone you can talk to? Is there anyone you can, even if you're like, I'm going to do my own thing, I'm going to do my own thing. Sure. No one's going to stop you. But like, could you at least see where they may need start helping them first before you go off on your own? I don't know. It just, I find it mind boggling. And I'd love to hear others' perspective on that. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that you're right. And I think that we can, if we work together, then, you know, you can yes. make things better, better bigger, yeah. better, and, and be able to reach more people. Because as you said, kind of at the beginning, I think some of the issues here in the area with Lackawanna County and in, in Grand is that people aren't necessarily hearing about all sure. of the events that are that are coming up and things and everybody doesn't get the paper, you know, and everybody's yes. not watching the news and things. So trying to find out ways to where you can get uh, 
a bigger audience. So then you're not kind of not just getting the same people, you know, right. cause I was, um, I sit on a board for Lackawanna County arts and cultures grants. Mm-hmm. And so I see a lot of the things coming through that want grants, but a lot of it is just the same type of stuff. Same type of thing. Over and over and over again. And then also my issue with it was like, we're just reaching the same people. Right. Like right. the same people that are going to like the free concerts in Nayog are like the same people that are going to be at the winter festival. Sure. And, and I mean, so- I, want, I, I want to give, I want to give a shout out. Like these places do have their own. No, yes, well. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. But you know, I know what you're saying, but right. But it's like, oh, but this is like, again, just something different. Right. And, so then or- how do we kind of get the other demographics in the area? To- shout out to marketing experts and professionals in marketing, because I think that sometimes, especially in the arts, People, you might have, you could have the most original, amazing, dynamic idea, but it's like fabulous. How are they going to find out about it? How are you going to communicate this information to the public? And it's like, oh, well, I'll like put up posters. Okay. That's one thing you can do. That's not, that's not a comprehensive plan. Right. And where are the posters going to be at? Yes, exactly. Or, and who's going to, and are you designing them? Who are you printing them? Who's going to pick, like, there's so much detail. And again, none of this is to discourage anyone. It's just to say, like, it's work. It's work, yeah. and it's and it's and and like, I get real frustrated in general when other nonprofits that are not arts and culture, and I believe the arts should be used by everybody. Arts belong at every table, but when it's like, oh, well, we're gonna do like concerts as part of our outreach programming, but it's like, but I've never talked to a musician before in my life, and it's like there are people who know how to do this. Hire someone who knows what they're doing. Don't know. I would never pretend to know XYZ person's job. Don't, don't assume you know how to do mine either. And just have respect for each other's profession, I think is a big deal. I mean, like, I'm sure it happens constantly in, you know, the human services and social work world where it's like, you know, someone has a great idea, but it's like, okay, you know what we need to be doing? We should be helping more people. It's like, that's yes. great, Carol. Wonderful, brilliant, <laughs> brilliant idea. Would you like to elaborate? No, but we're not helping enough people. Right, yeah. And it's like, thanks for that constructive feedback. And being in, and kind of being in like a valued profession to where it's, you're right, it's not just, because there's a lot of people that call themselves social workers that aren't actually social workers who didn't mm-hmm. go to school and, and get their degree and, and things like that. And, you know, when it comes time to put on maybe a production or do something that nonprofits want to do, it is like maybe you should take a cue and hire somebody and and use people who are in that field because it is a true field and they do have talent. And it's not one of those things where like anybody can come in and just throw it together. And And I think that's what a lot of people think until they have to do it. Pay And please pay them for God's sakes. Pay (laughs) them fairly. Listen, I believe artists like everybody should volunteer at from time to time. You should give back. But when your when your profession is constantly asked to volunteer, it, it, it gets to a point where it's like something, anything. Like I'll, I've been asked a hundred times, like, "Oh, well, we want to do this and this. Would you mind volunteering?" And my answer, unfortunately, has gone to the point where it's like, "I'm sorry, this is what I do professionally. I am, I am, but I am, I do consult. So if you'd like to, I'd love, I'd be more than happy to send you. Tell me a little more. I'd be happy to send you a quote for consultation, and I will literally charge you the bare minimum that I can. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, but no, but it's and, and, and nine times out of ten, it's also like, no, I'm not going to give you every contact in my, you know, Rolodex. 
to you know that I that I've leveraged <laughs> that I have struggled and you yes. know slaved over to get yes. for years. Like, yes, and also I'm not going to put. And even if I do connect, and I'm always happy to connect. If it's just a matter of hey, do you have so and so's email address? Sure, here you go. But when it's like, but you want me to introduce you and basically then leverage my goodwill, right? And cash right. in a favor and my like, name. No. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no. 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 That's yeah. yeah. No. I'm sure. Yeah. No, I'm sure, especially with, I mean, like how many times I'm sure you get, and I'm very grateful that I was chosen, but I mean, how I'm sure you get tons of people who want to come on this podcast, but then it's, and it's, and that's great and that's fine, but it's like, okay, well, what conversation do you have to bring to the table? Right. And I had a conversation like that actually, um, like last week and I, and I, and I felt kind of bad, but I was like, but what specifically do you want to come on here and talk about? Like, what are you doing? So, like, we're, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, it, we just gonna chat or like what attention. is it specifically about? Because kind of, if you don't have something, yeah. then I'm just looking for attention in yeah. general. Just just give me attention. Yeah. And that's fine. That's get a dog. That's what that's <laughs> for. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I want to come on there. Okay, sure. What do you want to talk about? Like, do you have something coming up? Like, what's going on? Like, like right. you know, let's oh no, we'll just you know, whatever. Okay, well, that's not that's not a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> That's just that you're just holding me verbally hostage. That's not yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, we talked about a lot. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we did. Thank you so much. I feel like I definitely like learned, uh, had a more insight into the arts and kind of behind the scenes and stuff and and what you guys do and you guys should be more appreciated and definitely paid. And I think that as we're seeing from the the strike right now, mm -hmm. it's just how much work goes into things and how little pay people actually are getting for their work. And some of the work that, you know, we think is amazing, just hearing some of the artists talk about shows that they've been part of or movies or plays. And you're like, wow, you're not even getting paid for that. And that's no. like one of my favorite things. No form of entertainment, virtually yes. no form of entertainment that you love that has a script or has, I don't care if it's a cue card or an entire script didn't happen without someone writing it Yeah, or a large group and, 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 and often working for less than you're making at your nine to five office job. Right. It's, you know, and with, and now with, with Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that, yeah, it's great. We have more content. It gets to us faster. It's convenient, but they're not getting residual payments the way they did when it was. And on they the should table. be. And they I don't, that is 100%. disgusting. They should be 100%. Yeah. Um, there's, there's actually like no excuse because they're making a sickening amount of money. I, it's literally just on purpose, like just mm -hmm. to say no. I I will say this. I can't say what show, and I know I'm probably being stupid. Who cares? But I did technically sign an, an NDA. But I did um, background work. I was a featured extra for a show years ago that never got off the ground. They never It never made it to air. Okay, whatever. I got paid. I was in like two episodes and like it was, you know, think like crowd shots, right? But like featured, I I technically like I was I like it's so hard to explain this. But like you would I was very visible and very clearly seen, right? right. Yeah. And um and very clearly identified within a context of a story. Um never opened my mouth, but had but but was like identified as a character. Um and we shot for like a week. And never went anywhere. And then recently, very recently, I found out that the footage was sold to another show on said streaming network. Mm. And because of a contract I signed, you know, several years ago and got paid for once. And again, not that I'm in, I'm not, I'm not crying for more money, but it was no, like, but if I didn't hear through the grapevine of a friend, I had no idea that I'm currently, you can see me in two episodes of a certain show on a certain streaming network. 
a show that I don't want to be associated with. And I don't want to, you know, I'm not putting on my resume, but like, and it's just. Oh, so- oh okay. Definitely. I got to find out what this is all. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so, it's just so funny that like. Well, and that's crazy too, that your likeness can yes. be sold to yes. other things. Or yes. like there's people who have done full on photo shoots for stuff. And, and now they're not, the face, and now they're the face of like anti-diarrhea medication. Yes, yes. Yeah. and yeah. it's wild. And you're not even, but know what? Maybe give me some of that anti-diarrhea money if I'm already, you know, if I'm already the right. face of. Oh my god, I would kill for diarrhea money. But yes, I'm a hundred percent on board. Yeah, and again, I signed the contract. It is what it is. But I was also like in my mid twenties. Yeah, I, it was yeah. like two hundred bucks. I wasn't union at the time, so it wasn't. But I mean, like but getting- you don't. But even then, it's like that doesn't say anything about like in the future if this is sold to somebody else. Like, right. You would think like I I do get residual checks now and then for other things. But I mean, we're talking like like a show that's on television. Like it's like on the History Channel and I'm sure it's aired like, you know, twice a year, three times a year. I'll get like a five dollar check yeah. or something. And that's fine. And I just and like uh, it is what it is. I, I, I filmed that in one day. I'm not a lead character i the, the 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 problem that people often have is like oh it's just acting first of all acting is work acting is hard you're consuming that content and most importantly this is content that others are making millions off of yeah like it's not like there's no money to be had it's not like it's not like someone isn't sh- it's not like there's you know this isn't like a non-profit theater production where right, exactly so that so there's, there's no excuse there is money being made yes already. There, so yes it's like you could fork over money to somebody else i mean we're t- and we're and when you break it down to what the unions are asking of the studios it's like a percentage of a percentage yeah no it's their, not it's not even crazy no i mean it, it should be more but they're just being realistic of like okay this is what we're gonna get and yeah i don't i mean i would never agree to this but i mean like don't scan me it's one thing like my B-roll was sold and I, I don't, I don't know. I think that's wrong, but it's like, okay, I, I, I filmed footage for XYZ company, XYZ company chose to use it for a different show. That's, I think that's shady and that's not a hundred percent right, but okay. That's one thing. But now you're talking about, they want to scan background actors so they can use their likeness in anything. That means like you could be scanned and then you're in an orgy yeah. in the next show. Like, no, like, I mean, again, like there's a certain level of, I don't have the script like at bat when you're when you're a background actor versus even what's called a five and under, which means like five lines or less. At least I had access when I'm a, when I have a line or two, at least I have access to that episode script right. or at least like a synopsis. And well, my because script. I was telling somebody else because they were talking about some like actors being in different things or, or we were talking about the Balenciaga photo shoot. Okay. And I was saying I was like, look, there are times where you show up to something and, and you don't no know idea. what it is. No. And you do it and you work and then you leave and then they put you in something that you didn't necessarily agree with. And that can happen a lot. And I know what happening is on the model side of it because I did a little bit when I was younger. So I assumed that, as you're saying, that it can happen on the actor side of it as well. You don't have the full story. No, I was on um uh this uh, uh, was a bartender on this show called Sex, Drugs and Rock and Roll. It was a show. um, uh, Dennis Leary. It was what he did after Rescue Me. Yeah. And um and, and someone was at and like someone saw me in the episode, texted me, and they're like, "Oh my god!" And that was a gig where that's a long, that's a whole long story. I won't go into that. But basically, I got that gig through a uh, coincidence, and they were very nice, and everyone, well, most people were nice on that set. Um, and they were asking me questions of like, "Oh, well, like, 
what's blah, blah, what happened, blah, blah, blah. First of all, it got canceled after that season. It was only two seasons long. Secondly, they're asking me questions and I was like, I've never watched it. I have no idea what you're talking about. Like I've never, I have a weird thing about watching myself period, but like I, they're like, Oh, well, did you watch your episode? I'm like, I watched my episode and I'm like, I'll tell you right now. I fast forwarded till I saw me. And then that was it. I was like, Oh cool. I did that thing. And then then I watched the end of that scene because I wanted to see, like, I was curious to, see, I was, I was interested to see, like, how it looks versus what it's perceived to be behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. But like, it's like, oh, like, I don't know. Let's say in a moment, like, oh, she slaps him, and it's like, yeah, I had no idea what was happening. And like, right. by the way, not only did I have no idea, no one felt that I needed to know. <laughs> no one, like, right? right. No. So, like, they're like, you're a bartender. You ask what they want to drink. You hand them the drinks. You wipe down the table and pretend to talk to these people at the end of the bar that's your motivation. Your motivation is you're a bartender for 30 seconds. And that's it. And that's, and like, I got paid really well and I'm okay with it. But like, it just, yeah, it's my, it's so interesting how people don't understand. Um, and that's okay. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's facets of millions of other jobs. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. But like, but, but then, but, but at the same time, if someone in that industry, if a large group of people in the industry tell me, Hey, we're not being treated fairly, who am I to be like, Who no, I not believe them. Right. 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 Yeah. And like, and I'm also seeing math. This isn't like all emotional based. Like right. Right. Or math. <laughs> That's just, ugh, people are crazy. Like and this then, person is literally on my favorite show. They did 200 episodes and are getting $1. And also, I mean, if you've ever been on a set, I don't care if you're a model, an actor, a crew member, a producer, a director, it's long. I mean, you sit like, you know, like that, like I was on screen for that one show, for example, for maybe, maybe a minute tops, like literally 60 seconds at most. That was a two day shoot. And I was, I was working quote unquote for like 18 hours total. Yeah. I mean, cause it's a lot of, you have to, you have to do it and then you have to, okay. And then do it again and then do it again and then do it again. And then you have to stop so they can reset the cameras on the opposite side of the room for a, for a launch shot or a close up and, it's a lot of sitting around doing nothing. That's yeah. that's what film and television is. It's a lot of sitting around doing nothing. That's why when it's like, oh, they're off in their trailer, it's like, well, because if they're not in their trailer, they'd be sitting in a chair in a cold sound studio for six hours while they wait for someone to be ready for them to film for five minutes. Right, exactly. Yeah. Now, now, do I think certain actors are ridiculously overpaid? Sure, of course they are. But I'm less concerned with that and more concerned with the thousands and thousands and tens of thousands that are not being paid anything exactly, and, the, yeah. and, the, and the writers i mean thank god for fran drescher i swear to god if we ever find out like like something problematic about her i'll, I'll be so upset i mean I love, she's holding it down for I love everybody fran, i love fran drescher so much but i also love drew barrymore and i was very upset to see the choices she made i just i mean for i'm this is i'm empathetic and i always you know, want to see it from some, I'm just hoping, I'm like, maybe people are telling her they're going to lose her houses, and she's like, I'm going to put my reputation on a line so y'all can get paid. Uh, I don't, I don't know. She could just do that anyway, though. She's, she's worth a hundred million dollars. But then also, you're right. Like, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, like, work isn't work, but, like, you're worth, you're Drew Barrymore. You're worth $125 million. And, like, I love her, I love her dearly, but it's like, I mean, she has walked it back. I don't know if you saw that they announced that she's not coming back. No, I, di- I didn't see that. I didn't see yeah, that. she's not going to come back. But it's like, you you know, and the justification for some people was like, well, The View is still airing. And I mean, one, two runs don't make a right, but also that's under a different contract. Right. They, that's right. under a totally different system. Now, do you could you make the argument that they should be on strike in solidarity? Sure, you can. But like her show thrived off writers. 
Her show was also primarily a platform to talk about upcoming movies and television and projects. Right. And yeah, like, exactly. And you can't talk about you're, you. They're you not a lot. Who's going to be on there? No, it just, oh, I just, oh, just people. It's like, I, I don't know. There's a threshold of, I agree with you. There's always another side. There might be like a contractual obligation we don't see. But then it, what it boils down to is like, she's worth $125 million. Right. This is, this is, like, she's not even worth a million. She's worth well, a hundred million. Because then if the issue is, well, people need money and people are struggling, okay, well then. Right. Do, like, I, how much could, the, I mean, realistically, if you remove her from the equation, what is the annual salary or per season salary total for everyone in that room combined? If you take her out of the equation. Like, I mean, again, I know it's not cheap, but like, let's say it was even, let's say it was literally $2 million, which I, Highly doubt it was. Yeah. It, I, I, it probably wasn't even a million. I mean, like maybe if you count producers and stuff like that, but if you, you know, who are making, you know, 100K, 200K. But again, there's so many different variables. I'm not sure who's getting paid what. I know that I know the crew, the, like the people like running cameras and holding microphones, they aren't getting paid that much. Um, but like, you know, she could just say, okay, I'm going to float two seasons worth of, my, of your pay. You know, I'm going to set up a foundation. We're going to get this done. You'll, you know, I, I got you. I'm, I'm here for you. Let's see where we are in the fall. Because yes. the prediction is yes. yeah. like, and it just, oh. But again, it just, I truly believe that when you reach, no matter how genuine a heart you may have, no matter how good you may want to do, and this is something I think is just genuine, when you reach a certain level of power and financial wealth, I think you just become disconnected. Yeah. And I don't know, is there a solution? Is there anyone that has that level of money that you can honestly state with certainty hasn't lost? Uh, they're they're disconnect from reality, and that's the shame. Because of two weeks ago, I would have said Drew Barrymore, but well, I don't know. I would have said The Rock until he was on that commercial with Oprah asking <laughs> us poor for money. money that is my boo. I'm like, okay, uh, <laughs> we don't boo. We don't have money. Like all, you guys all have way more money than everybody else. Can y'all just give them money? <laughs> Can you write them a check? Oprah could write. Like I mean, just Oprah could write a check without thinking about it she could just rebuild a town and it's and like i do believe that like with great with you know with great power comes great responsibility like when you are that wealthy and i'm not saying she hasn't worked for it and i'm not saying she hasn't had her obstacles but like you reach a point where it's like no you're oprah you have more money than god just yeah like you can do it you, you got right. this you, you got, got this you got this <laughs> could you imagine like going out to eat with oprah and like the check is sitting like, yeah, there you and put it, the check yeah. <laughs> It's like no, I would literally be like no. I'm most certainly not. Absolutely not. <laughs> oh my she God. probably owns the farm this food was grown on. No, I'm not paying for this. Exactly. I'm not paying for this. No. Oprah has cool. her own cows. <laughs> Oprah has a farm outside her house where the oh my well, God. She, does, she has a huge garden and and yes. like almost everything she eats is is she's grown on her land. I think. And by the way, fierce, cool. Cut the check then, Oprah. Yeah. Yeah, and don't girl. like and who where are the PR people? Where are the people in the room going, no, no, Dwayne. No, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> no, this is gonna like you can promote a cause if you want to encourage people to donate, but like it's like, hey, I'm you giving can say, hey, this is who I'm donating to. I'm donating twenty million dollars. Yes. If you want to donate to, you can. Yeah. Just no. Just give like I'm just throwing information out there, but that's right. definitely not. I'm re I'm just retweeting. Like, what? I'm just retweeting. Do what you want with this information. Right, right. <laughs> Retweet it with no comment here. <laughs> Put it out there. Oh. 
Oh my gosh. Well, know what, Connor? Thank you so much. Thank um, you. This went off on a tangent. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for being on the show with me this week. And can you please plug Scranton Fringe coming up uh, one more time for Absolutely, everyone? I will. Scranton Fringe Festival, uh, the 2023 Scranton Fringe Festival of September. Thank you for listening to Politics But Make It Fashion. My website is www.amberviola.com. You can follow me on Instagram at Amber underscore underscore Viola, on Facebook, Amber Viola, or you can follow me on Twitter at Queen Black. That's Q U E E N B L A Q U. Chat soon.